You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 49, with Bryce Fluellen. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. Today's episode is being published on the first Monday of January in 2017. With that, I'd love to, you know, wish you all a happy new year and extend a wish for abundance and positivity, for courage and hope, for encouragement and humility. Let's come together and work together as one this year to make it a great year right? Let's not invest in in hatred any longer, but in all things, in all situations, let's choose love and let's rise up and go beyond this year. You know, I know that you are important. You're important to God. You are important to those all around you in your marriage, your kids, your family, your friends, your church, your co-workers, and your community. And if 2016 was somehow a failure, I'm going to encourage you to acknowledge it as such and begin right now, wherever you are, to find the gold in those failures. Try to understand what went wrong and why and know that there's something there that you can learn from. I want you to be determined though to move on from it. In 2017, do not allow yourself to get distracted. Focus on the goals that you have set and focus on the priorities in your life and pursue them with all that you've got. I think today's guest will help us all to see these principles in action. His name is Chef Bryce Fluellen. And for over 20 years, Chef Bryce has utilized his culinary skills to make a significant impact in the community. As a past director of operations for Magic Johnson Enterprises, he was responsible for the company's growth in underserved, urban areas all across the country. And today he serves as the first chef hired by the American Heart Association LA to run Kids Teens Cook With Heart, which is a healthy cooking and nutrition program that has positively impacted over a thousand children and adults throughout Los Angeles County. Bryce has a new book that just launched and I'm so very happy for us to discuss that on today's episode a bit among many other things. So I encourage you to grab a copy of this book after you get off of today's episode. The link will be on our show notes page at TV Pod, along with some other great goodies. Now let's get set to go ahead and dive into today's episode with our very first trailblazer of 2017, Chef Bryce Flewellen. Enjoy. Bryce, welcome and thanks for being our very first chef on the podcast. I'm honored. I've been I'm honored. I've been listening to your podcast and uh, it's been educating me and, and empowering me. And, uh, you know, this is something that is definitely, you know, every time I listen to one of your guests, I learn something new and different in a different perspective. So I'm honored to be on here. Nice. So, Bryce, as you know, one of the first things we like to, to uh, touch on a bit is is really to start the episode from a place of gratitude, right? Yes, and yes. So, you know, I'd love for you to share, you know, what you're most grateful for in your life right now. Yeah, right now, I mean, I'm grateful for a couple of things. One is uh, my health. I always say that, you know, health is wealth and a lot of the, mm. the goals and dreams and visions that we have and a lot of the guests that your guests have spoke about, you can't do that if you don't have your health. So first and foremost, I'm really, you know, grateful for that. I'm also blessed to have an amazing family, a wife and kids who, um, you know, I'm extremely proud of and, and they keep me going and, and make me a better person. And then lastly, you know, just the privilege to uh, be on a show like this and, you know, have someone, you know, listen to my journey and even find it interesting enough to listen to. You know, a lot of people go through life, you know, nobody may be interested in what you have to say outside of your family. And even sometimes they don't want to hear it. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's a privilege. I think it's a privilege. People look at a privilege for someone to want to, you know, talk to you and hear about your story. Right. I'd love for us to really kind of get started in our talk with having you just tell us a little bit about the Bryce we don't see on your website or, or in the media. Maybe share a little bit about what it is that you actually do in your day to day. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Stephen. I, I am blessed and extremely honored and grateful to, you know, I work with kids every day, pretty much every day of the week in um, empowering children and, and families as well, but primarily children all the way from eight to 18 to uh, teaching them how to lead a healthy lifestyle through food. So, you know, I've been able to work with, you know, approaching almost uh, 1,500 kids over the last wow. few years. And so, you know, primarily on my day to day, I am in schools, Los Angeles Unified, Long Beach Unified, and teaching uh, young people not only basic cooking skills and nutritional education, but all the things that come along with that when we're in a classroom. So, for instance, you know, using that that platform is uh for them to learn about how to work with other people Mm because usually classes are anywhere from 20 to 30 kids so kids are you know the residual of it they learn how to work in a team and be able to articulate thoughts and work with people that you may not have the same viewpoint and how to actually do that you know to be productive also there's you know math in there as well so you're talking about different uh learning platforms you know people kids and adults we all learn differently so sometimes you know I use I can use food as a tool for instance for something as simple as you know how many ounces go into a cup oh eight ounces well how many in two cups and you know that's a uh, word problem for some kids that they may not have grasped in the classroom right and we talk about history as well you know there's so much food history tied into food right so you know I am extremely grateful and you know just passionate about what I do because I look at it as something that, uh, no, no pun intended, but planting a seed in young people for them to understand and develop habits that, you know, can last them a lifetime. So, you know, they can actually, you know, change some of the traditions that, um, in some of the communities that I work at, there's a tradition of, you know, you know, unhealthiness, people dying early from preventable diseases. So, you know, I look at my work as something that hopefully 10, even 20 years from now, that'll, that'll start to change. And I'm blessed to be a part of that. Yes. I have a six-year-old who loves, love to bake. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, she, she loves love the kitchen. Yeah. and yeah. But I never thought about educational impact in that light. You never know how you can uh, impact a child or what's actually a child is going to gravitate to. And right. all kids learn differently. Yes. You know, the so model true. of just sitting down, listening to somebody is, is okay, but that's, you know, even adults have a hard time. You can sit down and listen to somebody all day. So if you can have another uh, space where kids can, you know, learn, you can throw in something differently or they can see it from a different perspective. Right. You know, that's something that can also help them in the classroom and other areas. So I always look at it from that standpoint as well. Right. So what what really ignited the spark for you to become a chef? Where did this Man, all begin? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great question. I'll try to keep it short, you know, as, as, as I can. I actually, I started in the front of the house of the business. I was uh, in college at Howard in D.C. and I had a friend who came by actually one day when I was just probably just chilling out on the couch. And he said, you know, I'm working at this restaurant. You know, we make a lot of tips. And, I, you know, I, he said tips. And I said, how many, how much tips do you make? He said, man, we make anywhere from $500 to $2,000 night. <laughs> what? You know, so I'm 18, 19 at the time. I'm like, what? Say that again? He's like, yeah, sometimes I leave with like a thousand dollars cash. And I'm like, he says, so do you know how to, uh, have you ever waited tables? I said, no, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> and, um, he said, okay, we'll come down, you know, I'll see if I can get you an interview with the manager. And, um, he got me an interview. I came down, talked to the manager and Steven, the manager, you know, said, okay, yeah, you, you seem like a very bright kid. I don't give you a chance. Why don't you come back tomorrow? So I'm thinking I'm gonna come back tomorrow and he's going to maybe, you know, give me some paperwork, start me on some training. I came back that next day, man, they had me in, on working, waiting tables. So, and, <laughs> And it was a disaster. <laughs> you had no idea what to do. <laughs> yes. People are asking for, you know, cognac and I'm bringing vodka. And, and so I, you know, I didn't know a thing. So, you know, after that disaster, one of the, uh, the employees who was the bartender. She was actually a family member of the owner. And she said, you know, I know this is something that you um, probably want to do. So if you want to do it and stay here, why don't you just come in like an hour or so early every day for about a week and I'll train you. And so, you know, I just took it as, you know, an opportunity to I just studied it like I was studying, you know, for school. And I ended up working there throughout college and really had and got caught the bug of restaurants while being there. You know, he was it was true. We did make made a lot of money. The money that he said and tips that we made, he said we were going to make. We made that and then some. But and I also, you know, fell in love with 
the food, talked to the chef a lot about some of the different dishes he was making, learned about the whole, you know, front of the house. And so after I left, you know, Howard in D.C., I really started working in restaurants, waiting tables and and then moved up to manager and then also teaching during the day. And then it was at one point I was talking to my father and he said, you know, you're working almost 14 hours, maybe a day. Right. Maybe you should figure out, you know, try to do one or the other. And so I actually it was a sign because at the time that school I was working at, the um, the principal came in and, and she and she gave me a, a counseling about she didn't want me to teach. The kids were starting to learn and grasp it, but she didn't want me to teach. And that way she wanted me to teach more to the to the test. Mm. So then for that I got discouraged. I said, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. So I started going full time into restaurants and worked in a, a couple of concepts in L.A. and in the Bay Area, and then actually started working uh, with Starbucks. And then from Starbucks led into a position uh, and helping uh, Magic Johnson Enterprise run his, his uh, partnerships when he wow. had Starbucks and Fridays and the theaters. But that whole time, Stephen, even right, even during college, I'd always said to myself that I wanted to one day open my own restaurant. And so this was just preparing me for that. And then finally, when I had the chance to possibly open my own restaurant, and then it became a catering company. I said to myself, well, who's going to do the cooking? Like, I can't afford to hire, you know, executive chefs. So I was like, I need to go back to I need to go to culinary school. So I went to culinary school and wow. you know, got some fundamental training and then and then moved from there. Wow. Wow. So, you, you know, you touched you touched on this, you know, that you'd actually at one point had a catering company of your own. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned from owning your own company. So, you know, one of the lessons I learned, Stephen, is being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things that, <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know about anybody else. But for me, looking back on it and even now, you know, having that entrepreneurial spirit, I would say that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur can be romanticized. And it is. And it, it was it was one of the, I've done some great things and it's something that I truly love and I'm passionate about. Right. But it's it's extremely hard, and a lot of I don't think a lot of people talk about that enough. Yeah, it's they don't a, talk. It's about a it. sexy thing that's in trend yeah, right yeah. now. But it's a sexy thing. Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> people know, want to hear about Mark Zuckerberg right. and all those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell people all the time, Bryce. You know, parenting. I, I always share with new parents. I say, you know, parenting is the hardest job in the world with no prior work experience. Right. Uh, entrepreneurship is right next to it. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Having having done both. I would say, you know, I would agree. I didn't come from a family. I came from a strong a family of, you know, people who worked, you know, I had uh, my mother and stepmother, you know, were educators and worked in the school system. My father worked for the government, had aunts and uncles who worked for Ford. So I had some people who came from obviously strong work ethic and, but they, you know, usually work, most of them work for companies. I didn't have any exposure to any entrepreneurs. I had one uncle who actually had his own uh, candy store in the front of his house. And he was also, now this is, this is funny looking back on it. He was also like the loan shark or the broker of the neighborhood. So if somebody didn't have money, they could borrow some money from him to get their car fixed, et cetera. And, you know, obviously I know now looking back now, I know he charged interest on it. That's how he made money, but I didn't have any, you know, anybody that I was really close around when I was younger that was an entrepreneur. So um, I always tell people that it's one of the, the best things that I've done and I truly enjoyed it. But I will say it's one of the hardest things. And one of the one of the mistakes that I made, I had a mentor when I was starting my catering company who worked for a national uh, food brand. And one of the things that I look back on, which he told me, but I didn't really pay attention to or didn't adhere to, is that he said, you know, I think it would be important for you to um, get a partner or somebody that's going to help you along in this business, like try not to do everything on your own. And so I was one of the mistakes that I think I made. You know, I thought that, you know, it wasn't that I was selfish. I just thought that, you know, I could do, you know, I could do it the best. Mm. I could, you know, I'm saying make it happen. And I think you can do that sometimes in the beginning, your adrenaline. But after a while, you know that kind of wears thin and you need to have somebody who's strong in other areas or just somebody that can give you, you know, where you can have relief in certain areas and, and that you can uh, leverage their strengths and, and vice versa, as opposed to because you don't you're not going to do everything well. So, for example, obviously, you know, I'm a chef and I love to cook and that was my passion, but I wasn't that strong in marketing. And a big thing and a big part of being an entrepreneur is selling yourself and selling your brand. And that takes a lot of time. So, 
you know, balancing that combined with, you know, the cooking piece and getting new clients and managing the day to day events, et cetera. Yes. It comes a lot. You know, our, our, our episode 45 guest, Kevin Turpin, said, you know, said it best. You're only as good as, as your team, right? Mm-hmm. You really need to have some good people around you and be able to, to know when to delegate to those people and, and let go, right? Very difficult to do it all by yourself. And so now I've learned that lesson. I'm a huge advocate of that. Advocate, excuse me. And I also share that. The second thing I would say is that um, I under I underestimated how much capital, you know, was needed to get through, you know, to get through that dry phase. I right. mean, when you're, you're starting something off, obviously you have to build it up. So I think that, um, you know, I had some some uh, working capital, but I, I didn't have enough. So looking back on it, I was ready to jump. I'm 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 a type of person that likes to jump, right? Which is that you know I I learned. My mother told me she, when I was younger, she like she was an avid swimmer, and so she had taught me to swim since I was young. And one time when we went to the pool, I was standing around the deep end, scared, and she said, "You know what to do? She just jump in." And so she tricked me and came back around and, and pushed me in the pool. And <laughs> I actually, yeah, actually, it sounds cruel, but then I actually knew I knew more than I thought I did. She was right there and I started swimming and she was like, sometimes you can stand on the edge forever uh-huh. thinking and waiting for the perfect time. But sometimes you need to jump. So I take that sometimes in my life. I kind of take that on you Quite know literally. a little too little <laughs> and I'll, I'll jump. Right. And, uh you know, in you know, in the in the spirit of having you know of action, and I think in uh, looking back on that on that period, I could have you know waited a little bit longer and, and raised and got had a little bit more capital. But you know, it's all a great learning lesson, and it's something that you know I try to share with other up and coming entrepreneurs or chefs and people that want to start catering companies or even companies. Period. You know, anything that I've gone through, I try to share with them. You know, so they can avoid those pitfalls and roadblocks. Yes. Looking back now, what's one thing you wish that you had known? or applied before starting your own business? I wish I would have applied uh, putting, you know, not trying to trying to be something for everybody. So understanding that obviously, I don't know if a lot of people may not know if they're not involved in food, but food, you know, is one of the in restaurants and catering, et cetera, is one of the hardest businesses out there. It is. One of, and one of the reasons is, is that the margins are very low. So I think that for me, you know, having a, a catering company, a special catering company and wanting to, you know, for it to grow, I probably cast a net too wide and I should have um, been more specific and targeted, you know, people who actually, you know, what's for lack of a better word, who could, who could actually appreciate what my business was bringing to the table. So I wasn't the type of I'm not the type of business or wasn't the type of business that if you just want food and you looking for cost and that's it, you want to pay eight dollars an hour i mean eight dollars a plate or seven dollars a plate then you probably you may need to go to mcdonald's or costco or something like that right so i think in the beginning i kind of sold myself short and i should have been more targeted towards those people who had a, a better appreciation for what my business brought to the table so you know i understand today that you are are really focused on this health and wellness right and do a lot of work in in underserved communities tell us a little bit more about you know what you're doing and and why what you're doing is fulfilling some of your your passion and your purpose as a chef yeah that's a great question i think that um when you look at the statistics or when I started to become a little bit closer and conscious of the statistics that were going on in underserved areas, you know, like minorities, particularly Latino and African-Americans, suffer, suffer like three to four times higher from preventable diseases like heart disease, diabetes and stroke. And I started to, you know, obviously doing the work that I did, started to say, see that, you know, a lot of that, 80 percent of that is preventable. And a lot of it has to do with contributing to, you know, food and diet. Right. And people were putting in or putting in their bodies. And as a chef being, you know, I think of myself as one of the gatekeepers of food. I had an opportunity to be a part of changing that uh, tradition in the communities. And so once I started to look at it from that perspective, you know, it started to become even clearer that, you know, I had a job to do. And that, you know, if I knew, you know, some of, you know, and I was educated on the different foods and different diseases that people are suffering from and, and how they contribute, then I could help people, you know, change that. So once that came became clear, I was like, you know, my, that's that has to be my work. 
because I want my work to be something that, you know, is a legacy that helps to really impact people's lives. You know, so when you look at, you know, I work with kids, you know, I have a story of uh, I have so many stories. But one of the things that your question uh, reminded me of, I was just at a school like three or four months ago. And I started talking about heart disease and being the number one cause of death in the United States. And one of the little girls, so this is a great, uh, about fourth to fifth grade. And then one of the little girls, she just busted out crying. Wow. So I didn't see, you know, I thought maybe one of the kids said something to her and, you know, was teasing her or something like that. So, you know, at the end of the class, you know, one of the coordinators was in the class. He kind of walked her out. And then, so at the end of the class, you know, he said, you know what? Uh, her father just had a heart attack like wow. a month ago. And, and, and a, a massive heart attack at like 36 and died. Wow. And so, you know, when you started talking about heart disease and it being the number one killer and, you know, of people in the, in the world and in the United States, obviously it touched a nerve. And, you know, it wasn't anything bad that you said. It's just something that obviously, you know, she was really close to her father. And, um, you know, that touched a nerve with her. So but her mother wanted her to be in this class, you know, for that reason. And so when you think about, you oh know, goodness. things like that, I got real for where, you real quick. Uh, right. Oh, my gosh. And she and she and, and, and he's and so I have a lot of stories like that. So when I think about, you know, a lot of times people don't think about what's going to happen if they're as parents or, you know, guardians, et cetera. You don't think about wh- what kind of impact if you leave here or if you're if you get disabled because of a preventable disease, et cetera, what kind of impact that's going to have on your kids or nieces or nephews, et cetera. So I started to look at it, you know, from that. If I can prevent that from happening to, you know, someone, then, you know, that's my job has been done. And I've actually had three people in my family that have suffered from stroke and a heart attack. So, you know, I had a, I had an uncle when I was younger who helped who helped raise me and he had two strokes. And I remember at the time when he came back home from his first stroke, I was sitting at the table and my aunt would say, you know, OK, help your uncle, you know, learn, learn how to write his letters again or learn how to pick up his spoon and fork. And so I thought it was normal at the time. You know, I'm eight, nine years old. But now, you know, as an adult, I know that, you know, that isn't normal. And that's something that unfortunately too many people in our communities, you know, suffer from. Wow. Bryce, you just hit a, a chord for me, man. That's like a wake-up call right there. You know, I, I'm curious, you know, before we talked about this, you are talking about the catering company. Was health and wellness important to you before and kind of led to that being your focus? That's a great question. It, it kind of it kind of um, came about kind of in, in my journey for having a catering company. So I, always, I grew up playing sports. I was mm-hmm. always, you know, pretty active and continue to be active. But I would probably say I never had anybody, you know, talk to me about my diet when I was playing sports or even after. And so I had a somewhat, you know, I would have, a, I had an okay IQ of health and wellness. And when I started my catering company, I didn't want it, you know, I had, you know, healthier options and it was a lighter Southern cuisine. It wasn't as heavy food. But what happened actually, actually is that I started pitching my business to different people. And one of my clients was um, a director of health for the Urban League. And then I did a, a catering. I catered a breakfast for them. And then she wanted me to stay one time and meet some of the other people that were in the collaborative. And one of them happily happened to actually work for American Heart Association. Uh-huh. So I started, started so I started doing some catering, some healthy catering for American Heart Association. And then through that, I actually met um, a young lady who said, you know, who's actually my uh, manager now. And she said, you know, we have gardens where we teach kids and families and communities, underserved communities where food comes from and the importance of eating fresh whole food. And I'd like to have you maybe do a couple of demos to kind of, because when the food is harvested, people are excited, but they're like, so this is an eggplant. Like, what do I do with eggplant? I don't know anything about eggplant. So we like to have a chef come in and kind of <laughs> show people how to <laughs> how to actually do, you know, do make healthy recipes. So I did a couple of those. And then from there, at the around the same time, we, we contacted each other and I said, you know what, this could be your second uh, kind of sister program. So if you're teaching kids, you know, how to grow food and where, where food comes from, the next phase is teaching them how to cook it healthy and the importance of, you know, putting fresh whole food in your body. Right. And she said, you know what, we're thinking of a couple things. Let me uh, get back to you when we get some funding. And then, you know, like maybe six months or eight months later, she said, we have funding for a program and we want to hire our first ever full time chef for American Heart Association to actually run this program across Los Angeles and Long Beach area. Yeah. Nice. So it all came about at the same time. And then I actually had 
you know, I have hypertension and high blood pressure in my family. So I started to look at it like, you know, okay, this is an opportunity for me to really change some people's lives. I look at food. I look at, you know, food and being a chef is my gift. But I feel like my purpose is to really, you know, impact people, impact people's health and change some of the legacy and tradition, you know, in the communities and and people's families. And, you know, food is just that vehicle and tool to do that. Yes. But I think it's larger than that. You know, because you know, I was telling you about that story with the young lady. You know, unfortunately, I got a lot of kids. I, I work with kids as young as nine years old have talked. They said to me that they had high blood pressure. What? So, yes, <laughs> little boys and girls said, yeah, I got, I'm managing my high blood pressure. I'm like, you managing high blood pressure? And they're saying it, they, you know, they're saying it like just normal, you know, because so many. And then when I ask when I ask kids to raise their hand, you know, first day of class, I always ask them, raise your hand if you got anybody in your family or if you've heard of uh uh, heart disease or stroke, maybe 80%. Raise your hand if you heard you got anybody in your family that has diabetes or you heard of diabetes. Probably like 95 to 100% of the kids. What? Yes, indeed. So, you know, it's a. Wow, uh, Bryce, that's, that's real. That's, it is, you know. It's, it's real. It's real. And, and, and you know, we all we all have our talents and blessings. So, it's you know, it's something that obviously I'm around these, these communities and around these kids and I'm in the community every day. So it's something that I'm aware of. But, you know, I realize just like anything that you do, like like, you know, you're in the you're in the podcast world. So you probably have you have privy to information on what's going on in that world. And a lot of people aren't. So I look at it the same way, like. I'm privy to a lot of things that are going on in the community as it pertains to people's health and wellness that a lot of people may not be aware of. So it's my job to kind of, you know, obviously make people conscious and, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll make some changes or help, you know, be a part of the change in the communities. Bryce, I'm so happy that you are on this podcast and that you're sharing this wisdom with with us as a community. I just wish you weren't doing it right before Christmas food, man. (laughs) 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 hey hey, look i I tell people man you know it's about moderation and uh you know just being conscious of what you're doing right and you know a lot of a lot of times you know you know people aren't even conscious so i think you know there's there's phases right so you know you can be aware of something but not really be educated about it so there's different levels so i'm try to make people aware and then they become educated and from being educated hopefully they'll you know you know, think about making some change. And then from there, you know, they'll actually execute that change. But I know that, you know, change takes time. But I always tell people, and you know, kids and also tell parents and people that I work with in the community, it's not about uh, being perfect. It's about progress. Yes. So don't don't let, you know, a lot of times people talk themselves out of stuff mentally before they even try. So just take one step and start with that one step and then build upon that. And I think you're taking the right approach. You know, at the end of the day, all too often, it's it's sometimes hard because we as adults, we already have we have our habits ingrained. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, you're you're leading through our children. And yes. You're taking the approach through our kids. And if you can rewire their mindset, they have a way to re- rewire the way the whole house works. Yes, yes. In some I'm cases. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that, Stephen. That's real. Cause a lot, cause a lot of time, no, I'm glad. That's a great point because a lot of, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, some of the, you know, people or I would say critics, they would say, well, you know, you got to have the parents involved and for the kids to change. And I, and I always say, yes, you know, ideally you would want the whole household to be involved. But a lot of times in my classes, they're after school, parents are working. Etc. So I, what I've told them is that I've seen that if kids are enthusiastic and excited and want to make the change, then they can impact and influence the whole household. I had a principal tell me, you know what, two of my kids, would, a parent came up here and two of her kids were in one of your classes. And one of the things the parent wanted to share with me is that she said her kids, for some reason, over the last couple of years, they have not gotten along and they argue all the time. She said, but when they took that class, now they come home and they make smoothies together. Wow. They, together. And she's like, they, they got the, the parent was like, they got me drinking some kind of uh, smoothie with kale and apples and something else they've been making for two weeks and telling me I need to throw out X, Y and Z. So, you know, you never know, you know, what somebody or what kid is going to gravitate to something. But I've seen it where, you know, kids can have just like they'll be excited to go to McDonald's. They can be excited about drinking a kale smoothie if it's something that, you know, they're passionate about and they can influence that household. So. I think, you know, it's something that I have to share. And 
also I want parents to kind of look at it and, you know, sometimes parents, we can be somewhat, I guess, for lack of a better word, selfish and not think about how our behaviors are going to impact, you know, our kids and the people that love us. You know, we want to do what we want to do because we're adults, but I've seen the impact that that can have on a household, you know, if you leave here you know, earlier than you should have because of, you know, a preventable disease. Bryce, you know, as I listen to your talk, I am reminded of so many different guests who have shared a desire to do something either in arts or, you know, a technical skills, you know, pursue a technical skill that they have. And here you are talking about something that wasn't necessarily, you know, a passion of yours from a kid to become a chef, but you've embraced it. You know, you, you pursued it. It's become a passion of yours. I can hear it in, you know, what you're trying to do through your profession. Right. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage those listening, especially those who are parents like myself. You know, I listen to kind of what you've been able to do and, and, and the impact you're having and the legacy work that you, you have ahead of you. That, that God has blessed you with this skill and this and this, this this pursuit. And, you know, I just want to encourage people, you know, that are listening to allow your your kids and allow yourselves as well to pursue something that, you know, you, you might not necessarily think that it's going to have the impact of maybe an, another another occupation that has the the glam to it but yeah, you can yeah. make it you know you have made this something amazing i'm you know i'm i'm the son of a chef so i appreciate you know my my dad for his amazing talent around food and around the arts but you know i'm encouraged by a lot of what you're sharing and and yeah, so it just felt it on my heart to kind of share that that was an excellent word and i think to your point Stephen, you know it can you know, I never looked at it like that, but it can be a testament to some people. I think I forgot I was having a conversation with and they were kind of stunned because they I hadn't seen them in a while. And they were like, well, when we grew up, you know, you weren't you weren't cooking. You never mentioned a chef. And so what I said to them, I said, you know, you know, people can do can be gifted to do a lot of different things. I think yes. I think sometimes we, we pigeonhole ourselves and think that you can only do one thing or maybe your parents have influenced you and you can only do one thing in your lifetime. Yes. And that's it. It's, and it. And it's hard for people to perceive that you <laughs> actually change courses and reinvent and do something else and have a gift in something else. Uh, because sometimes people kind of pigeonhole themselves and say, OK, this is what I'm doing and that's all I can ever do. Just tell him to come <laughs> and meet Stephen Hart because Bryce, my wife would tell you, I've reinvented myself a million, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> a million times over, man. I have no business doing anything I've done in my career. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. none of it was taught in college, you know, so for, for anyone it. listening, you know, learning doesn't stop at the end of college. Learning oh, doesn't oh, stop yeah. in oh. school. You're always learning. You should always, always. be pursuing, you know, what's in your heart, right? And, always. And making sure that that meets meets the market where you know you, you can command an income and a exactly. salary but you exactly. know something that you're passionate about so you know let's let's talk about your next step forward right i'm so excited for you you've got your very own book coming out really soon and it's titled food a vehicle for healing and this is part one the fruitful journey right yes yes bryce I'm tell me about what inspired you to actually author a book you know that um Stephen, I, I would say writing or, or putting together a book is something that is was another challenging <laughs> thing as well. And so it just kind of came. Na- I don't want to say came naturally, just as the as the journey, you know, as the path that I'm on. I had, you know, obviously being a chef, and you know, a lot of people would say to me, "Hey, you should do a book. You should do a book." And it was more so, you know, I, you know, people see other books and they hear about chef and they think cookbook, and so it was more so that. And so, but. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I may do a cook, a real, you know, a serious cookbook later on. But that's that that didn't really speak to me because I've always been the kind of person that didn't like to do it just because everybody else was doing something. So, you know, as I was, uh, you know, working with the kids and doing the work that I've done, I started to think to myself, you know, what has really fulfilled me and what has really encouraged me? And it was the relationships and some of the stories that I just told you and some of the people that I've, uh, you know, become in contact with through my journey through food, the schools that I worked in, the teachers that I've been in contact with, also people in my family growing up. And so I just started to write stuff down or put voice notes in my phone as I was uh, driving. And then one day, you know, 
uh, I said something just came or God just spoke to me and was like, you should do a book, talk and tell stories about some of the impact that food has had in your life whether people that you've impacted and the people that have impacted you wow. and do it through the art of storytelling. And then each story have a recipe attached to it. So it's really talking about, and then also what I've learned, you know, is that, you know, it really started to be a lot more conscious of and see is the connecting and healing spirit of food, yes. obviously from a, a physical standpoint, but just from a spiritual standpoint, just think about all the events and special times that you've had or conversations that you had around food. Like you can talk to somebody and they could tell you, like I, you know, one of the things I hate to do is like if somebody tell me, oh, can you make this recipe? My mom used to make it because <laughs> I know that even if your mom couldn't cook, just the whole connecting and, and the experience when you were little and the conversation your mom may have had, you thought that that was the best dish in the world. And so that is connected and ingrained in your mind, just that whole experience. So I wanted to speak to people about that. You know, one of the stories that I have in there is I share about. You know, my mother, unfortunately, she suffered. She started she suffered from a mental illness, bipolar disorder. And then it became, you know, later became addiction to crack cocaine. Wow. And so our relationship deteriorated as I became a teenager and got into adulthood. And before she passed, we were able to, you know, to mend our relationship somewhat. But it wasn't until I actually had a job working in a, a in a food ministry at a, a nonprofit that services homeless and people who are formerly addicted to drugs. And I worked in the kitchen with people who were all former addicts. And I started to talk to them and hear their stories about, you know, how guilty they felt of all the people that they hurt and how they knew that no matter what words that they said or how sorry they said they were, it could never change, you know, situations like stealing from their family members, you know, not being there for a child's birthday. And so they had this huge guilt and regret. And so when I heard it from that perspective, I kind of understood what my mother went through because I had a little of resentment towards her because she never said that she was sorry. Right. And so I tell that story in this book to get people to understand that this is crazy. This is this wow. is God because this only this happened through food. This is us sitting there making food. I'm teaching them different recipes and us just having conversations and them and these guys opening up to me and sharing. And then for me, it's finally giving me the forgiveness that I needed to give to my mother. So I wanted to share that those type of stories in there. I got a story about a young girl who actually uh, was bullied and, you know, she was shy and I did a garden to table project and uh, she was telling me a story about her little brother eating fast food and how she was trying to prevent him from doing that. And I told her, I said, why don't you get up there and um, share that story before we start the luncheon? And she said, no, I don't speak that well. I'm shy. I was bullied. I said, well, you know, if you feel the spirit to do it, I'll be there to help you out. So I get up there and I'm getting ready to tell everybody what we're eating and what what we got from the garden. And she says, oh, hold up. I have something to say. Mm. And so this girl gets up and she starts speaking and telling this story. Right. She doesn't stutter. She doesn't, you know, pause or anything like she just like a public speaker afterwards. The, the counselors of the school and the director of the school come up and say, you know, this is this was a great this was a great luncheon. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, I'm glad everybody enjoyed the food. She said, no. Do you understand what just happened? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, this young lady came to our school like six months ago and she had so her, her anxiety was so severe that we had two or three of our counselors who would walk her off the bus. And then we had two. And you got her to speak publicly. It was sit in the class with her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so for her, she's like, for her to speak in front of like. Uh, there were, you know, donors there and adults and some peers for her to speak. In, and this girl's like nine, 10 years old. She's like, that's a miracle. Wow. So, so yeah. you know, I just wanted to kind of share, you know, some of those stories and share some of my recipes and, and do it through that way. So I, it finally came to me and, you know, I just got consistent and, you know, disciplined on, you know, writing and, you know, we're almost at the end. It should be it'll be out by the time this comes out. The book will be out and uh, it'll be available, you know, on Amazon. And I hope it's just, you know, a tool to not only, you know, give a couple of people, give some people some recipes, but I want it to be a tool to start conversation and also raise awareness for everything. Like we talked about from mental illness to drug addiction to, you know, anxiety. I have stories in there about, you know, some of the people that like I was telling you earlier, my family who have suffered from preventable diseases. So I wanted parents to kind of see the impact that that can have. So, you know, that's how I wanted the book to, uh, it just kind of, you know, kind of came about. Yes, yes. I am just going to speak it into existence. You have a hit book right there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know? <laughs> no. I, I hope so. But I just, you know, wanted to be something that I wanted to share, 
you know, from my perspective, kind of my world and, you know, also, you know, be able to give some give some people some a tool to hopefully start conversations around some of those, you know, serious issues. Like I was talking about mental health, drug addiction, forgiveness. Right. Um, That's a very difficult thing for a lot of folks. (laughs) I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, looking at it. And looking at the legacy that you're leaving health wise and understanding that you can have an impact on your family and your kids if you don't do some things that, you know, can keep you healthy. So I just wanted to be hopefully a conversation starter and, you know, and then, you know, also be able to share some of my recipes. That's it. That's so true. I mean, like, you know, and that's the thing. We all connect to those things, right? We all connect through food. So, you know, we already have a common connection. We all love food. But if 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 we can have that conversation around these stories and, and connect to what's being shared, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get a copy of this book for myself. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is I'm really excited about kind of the direction you've taken here and probably bring you back for just a, a minute here before we begin to wrap up. I'd love for you to maybe share a couple of pieces of advice, you know, maybe two or three pieces of advice that you would want to give someone who's maybe saying, you know, I want to be an author and publish my own book. What would you tell them? Yeah, that's great. Uh, one of the things that I would tell them, Stephen, is to um, get on a consistent writing schedule. Right. So what that means is that be disciplined. Like even if you only write like four sentence, a paragraph, just get consistent and, you know, spending that time, you know, maybe if you don't have time to write, you can use an app called Dragon where you can talk into it and it, it will dictate, you know, what you you know t- said into it. So it'll type it out and then you can kind of look at it again. I would wow. just say write, write, write and don't even worry about grammar and all those other things. Just get into that consistent writing pattern. Yeah, that was be that would be one thing. The other is that I would say do some research you know, midway through or even the beginning, do some research on, you know, publishing and books and and then also marketing your book. Because one of the things that I I learned, you know, through the process and we talked about marketing in the beginning and throughout this conversation is that that's something that uh, that, you know, a lot of authors don't even think about because you get so wrapped up in the book. You don't think about, okay, what is going to be your who are you going to market to? What's going to be your strategy to get word of mouth about the book out? So I, I think those those things, those couple things. And then write, you know, try to write with something that that's going to speak to you and what you're passionate about, because you're going to get people who are going to tell you like, you know, and, and and it's all, you know, it's all love. Like some people, you know, they just love, you know, they like your work and respect what you do and they want they feel like this is what you should do. But I have a huge admire admiration for people who, whether if, you know, succeeds or fails, they actually do what speaks to them yes. and is on their heart. Right. And they'll just do what everybody else tells them to do. Um, I have a, a respect for that. Bryce, I love it, man. Love this wisdom. I'd love to have you share, you know, some of your 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 treasure tools and resources with our listeners before we wrap up. So maybe if you could tell us, you know, what's a book that you've read uh, this year that's inspired you most? So I'm reading so many different books, man. I got like five <laughs> books that I have on hand, but I will tell you a book that I constantly go back to and I read it like every six months. And I think this will be something that will pour into your audience. It's called The the Principles and Power of Vision by Dr. Miles Monroe. Rest in peace to him. He passed away, I think, a year and a half ago in a plane crash. But this is a book actually my wife gave me when I first started, um, you know, my catering company. And it's something that I have marked up. I look back at it again. I tell people about it. I tell them to read it. You know, I tell them like I think I told my cousin who's an entrepreneur. I think I, I probably tell him, did you get the book like every other month? Wow. Because it, he he talks about, you know, some of the obstacles and what vision is and some of the obstacles that you will, you know, come across, uh, you know, trying to go after your vision. You know, for instance, you know, I always tell people and young people, especially like stop waiting for everybody to validate what God has put on your heart and the vision that he has given you. Wow. It's not for, it's not for everybody to see. And so a lot of times people spend a lot of times trying a lot of people spend time trying to get other people to say, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And obviously there are going to be people in your life that you trust, that, you know, you share with. And he talks about that as well. Yes. But sometimes people, you know, trying to get people who have no significance at all in their life, trying to get them to validate what they getting ready to do. Right. You know, stop doing that. <laughs> so that's one of the books that, you know, I read all the time and go back to and find something different uh, tool wise. You know, I think that um, for me, you know, I like face. I love Facebook and I love Instagram because 
as an entrepreneur and someone who's, you know, likes to share and, and, and uh, you know, give people, you know, educate people on health and wellness and food, et cetera. I think that those tools, you know, if you use them properly, they have, you know, a, a huge impact. Right. And just think about it like 10 to 15 years ago, you didn't have that. So you couldn't share that message the way you can now with That's anybody right. and everybody throughout the world. So I think if they, you know, if I use like a, a comic book, uh, analogy: If you use your powers, those powers for good, and those tools for good, <laughs> they can be extremely beneficial. Right. And I, I'm a, uh, I love music, and so I, I love Spotify as well, Pandora. I mean, and then uh, you know, those are tools that I'm always using, especially when I'm cooking. I'm always listening to music, so nice. Spotify is one of my favorites. Love it. So, what's Bryce? What's something small that you've done this month that you're proud of? Um, I actually started working with um, foster youth. So I actually did. I actually cooked uh, a lunch with like four young men who were in foster care, um, teenagers. And, you know, because I, I, you know, previous to this, I started working with them. I did something small with them last year. And then I told one of the directors of the volunteer service, I said, I want to go to all your foster homes and I want to cook with the teens. Because to what we were talking about earlier, I realized that, you know, how connecting and healing food is. But what I heard, like when I did one event is one of the kids was telling me like, um, I've never had a sit down dinner. I've never sat down and had dinner with family members or anything like that. Wow. I've, I've been in foster care most of my life. So I actually, you know, was finally able to make that happen. And it was just four, you know, four young men. I had them help out because they thought that I was going to come in and do all the cooking. I said, no, we're going to do this together. And they helped out and they had pride in that. And then we sat down and we broke bread together. And we just talked about, you know, some of the things they were going through as teenagers. So, you know, I want to continue to do that over the next you know, year. And I think there's 10 there's 10 uh, foster homes. So I want to go to all the foster homes and do that with the young people. So I'm proud of that. God bless you, man. That's awesome. Before we wrap up, I'd love to invite you to maybe share one action that all our aspiring trailblazers listening to this conversation should commit to this week to help them blaze their trail. Yeah, thank you. Um, I want I want them to commit. I want people to commit to uh, following up with 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 people that what I find is that, you know, and you may run into this as well. I run it. You know, I'll meet people. I've, I've spoken different events or I'll meet kids and they will say, I want to do X, Y and Z or I want to do that. And I'll say, hey, give me a call and, that, you know, and please or email. And you don't ne- you never hear from them again. Right. And so I want people to understand that part of, you know, going getting, you know, making your goals and your dreams come to pass is that you have to be diligent and dedicated to following up and executing. Everybody loves the ideas and creating the ideas. And that's great. And that that's, has a place. But then also making them happen means that you have to follow up and do things when you don't feel like it. Yes. So sometimes a lot of people wait to do things when they feel like it. And if that's the case, there's a lot of stuff that will never happen. Sometimes you just have to do and then the feeling will follow or may not. So I want I want people, young people, particularly entrepreneurs or people trying to be entrepreneurs to really commit to following up with people, returning phone calls, returning emails, texts, you know, making it uh, something that you're committed to. And, you know, writing it down, putting it whatever tool that you use to follow up, be committed to that. And you'll see how much how many doors potentially will open for you. And that's not a pretty or sexy or attractive right. yes, action exactly. step, but it exactly. is so real and to the point. And you're just hashtag truth, man. Exactly. You gotta follow up. I'm saying that is the real deal. You know, it's just something that, I, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because I was just thinking, like, how many times it just happened to me? Like, I'll yes. run into a young person and say, hey, you weren't you supposed to call me like a month ago? You know oh, what? I forgot. Okay, well. I can hey. say I'm, I'm, you know, guilty of the same thing, right? Where we all are, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's advice you could be giving to yourself, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but the fact that we're aware of it and we have to take those steps. A lot of what I've been doing with this podcast has not always been fun. But you, you, those are the things that you have to do, right? To be able I, to realize the dreams being achieved, you know, your goals being achieved. You have to take those actions. You have to follow. Like you said, you have to follow up. You have to carry out certain tasks. Yeah, you have. I mean, I, and I guess even in short, I guess that's just, you know, learning the, the art of discipline, right? Yes. Because 
I know. I'm sure like there's times when you, you know, whatever you have to do for your podcast. I don't think that even though it's your passion, doesn't mean you always want to do it or feel like doing it. Brother, I can tell you (laughs) many days I don't want to, you know, skip a football game or NBA game or, you know, time with my family or but it's a sacrifice. It's a trade off. And and so absolutely. But Bryce, I just want to say thank you so very much for being our guest on the podcast. I I started this call off by saying you're a very first chef on the podcast. But brother, you've retuned the the mindset of those listening who may have a a passion towards food or, you know, or or saying, you know, I'd love to become a chef someday. You have given them so much reason and value to that role, to that profession. And I I couldn't say thank you enough, man, for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. And you're now a part of the Trailblazer family. And, That's a great family to be a part of. <laughs> and so I want you to finish up by telling us how we can stay connected to you and how we can get involved with this upcoming book that hopefully will be out by the time this episode goes live. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I'm on Instagram at uh, Chef underscore Bryce and then on Twitter at Chef Bryce and that's B-R-Y-C-E. And then on Facebook, the same thing, Chef Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E. And so the book will be out um, on Amazon by the time uh, this podcast airs. And you can just log on to um, ChefBryce.com. And if you log on there and subscribe to, you know, our email list, I'm going to send you, you know, some tips every month. And then also there'll be information on, you know, getting the, you know, purchasing the book. But you can also just go to Amazon and put in food, a vehicle for healing by Chef Bryce. And it it should come up there as well. But um, I really appreciate the opportunity and um, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, you're changing people's lives as well. This information is powerful. I've been I've been listening in the car and. I'm learning like, wow, man, how come I didn't know that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning from everyone that's on here. Awesome. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.